So, Berto, I thought we would tackle some short questions that shorties that deserving listeners have been emailing to us, and they deserve us to answer them. Go shoddy, shabade. So, let's introduce the podcast. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor. Who are you, Berto? My name is Humberto Castaneda, and I change tires. For a living or just... No, no, no. It's fun. <laughs> it's a hobby. <laughs> because you normally say your job. Yes. So what's your job? Um, I'd rather not say it on the podcast because it's like personal information. Oh, okay. But I like to discuss my hobbies, like changing tires. Yeah. Yeah. So from now on, at the beginning of the podcast, you're just going to be like, and I like watching movies sometimes. <laughs> Um, Long walks on the <laughs> lava. I want to give an update on the MGTOW episode. MGTOW! And any thoughts that you have about about that episode that we made? I'm sure we got a lot of love. We were very, we were very uh, compassionate. There were a lot of dumb comments. All the dumb comments come on YouTube. So if you're one of those assholes on YouTube uh, you c- that I talk to every now and then, you can listen to me now again. <laughs> I you know, received a lot of comments on uh, everywhere, emails, Patreon, you know, uh, YouTube, right. Facebook, etc. YouTube is always where the assholes live. <laughs> it's weird. It's like none of them are on Facebook. None of them email me, actually. Right. Very I, – I, the last time I got like an actual angry email, I don't know. It was just a long time well, ago. But it's because, you know, for, for someone to send you an anonymous angry email, they got to go through the trouble of creating a whole other email account and stuff like that. But with YouTube, they're already anonymous. Right. So actually, someone did. Someone actually sent me an, an email in response to the MGTOW episode, which I don't even... Do you know by now if they call themselves MGTOW, pronounced MGTOW? I have no idea. Anyway. All I know is I like it. MGTOW. But someone, like Midtown. someone actually created, I remember now, an a, a email account just so they could send me an angry email about, about MGTOW. Um, because I think they actually are regular <laughs> listeners that okay. we that we know of them anyway. But anyway, my point is is that there was o- the only person that actually criticized the episode that I found to be a valid criticism was essentially someone that was saying you you didn't talk enough about the fact that MGTOW comprises of a lot of different kinds of people. Mm. And some people identify as MGTOW who aren't misogynistic or aren't it, it isn't a jerk or you know something yeah. like that. And so, okay, granted, you know, or uh, and the other criticism from this person who emailed me with this fake email account said that uh, we didn't do enough research. And sure, yeah, you could, you know, you could. I'm a man. What more research do I need to do? But. You know, what I, what I did was I Googled it, obviously, and I went to the website, and I went to uh, forums on Reddit, and I went to as many places as I could to gather as much information. And the thing that I didn't see was a voice from what I might call to be mature... McTowans. Yeah. You know, I, I only found I only found toxic uh, comments from people. So, so yeah, sh- you know, I'm sure there are people in the KKK that are like wonderful human beings. You know what I mean? In fact, are you I, sure about that? In fact, in fact, I know from, I can't remember where I learned about this, but I remember actually, 
either a documentary or something about you know people who associate themselves with white supremacy who who they ha- for the most part they're i we would agree me and this person but then they just have this one wacky belief that they would never actually act on in a malicious hostile uh-huh. way you know they just think that they just really like white people and really think about white you know purity and stuff like that but they they don't they're not a nazi and they don't want to harm anyone right. or they don't want to ins- so anyway my they po- themselves are not going to hang anyone but they're not going to stand in the way of it but you know right obviously there's this whole <laughs> element of like why associate yourself with an organization that it literally wanted to uh, wipe out right. certain people and kill them. Um, and same goes for MGTOW. But anyway, of the people – so there's – you know, you could say we didn't do a lot of research. Okay, fine. You could say we didn't uh, present you know, the fact that there might be some responsible MGTOWians. Okay, fine. But I will tell you that um, there were two other kinds of categories of, of responses that were negative. Mm-hmm. Okay. Plenty of positive. By the way, all women. Mm-hmm. One man actually uh, on I, I don't anonymous patron. I won't say his name. I've actually interacted. Actually, both of us have interacted with him. But he used to be in MGTOW, and he has okay. renounced it. And he he understands like what leads someone to to go there, and now understands it for what it is, which is basically just hurt hurt men who are suffering who are acting out their anger and they don't know how to process the right. their experiences of of like being rejected by women and having a hard time dating and that kind right. of thing. But anyway, there were two negative comments all from seemingly two negative types types uh seemingly from all men. Yeah. Only on YouTube. And one was just like flat out just ridiculousness, you know, just like you're an idiot, and 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 you're, you're in the pockets of big woman. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes I'd be like, "Did you even listen to the episode?" Because I can't think of a more fair way to have described what MGTOW was. I mean, I spent the first forty-five minutes basically reaching out and saying, "Like, I get why you're there, and there are certainly wonderful aspects to MGTOW. Like, go right. your own way. You don't want to date anymore. You know, yeah. you're done. You're done with women. You're done with romance. Okay, right. that's fine. You know, nothing is wrong. And, Maybe I was negative, <laughs> and, and and I spent the first forty five minutes reviewing actual examples of when men are treated badly because they're a man. Right. You know, and 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 that happens. And how how often do you hear that from someone right. on the internet? Dude, like this BS. Why can't a couple of us guys just talk about our beliefs on the podcast without getting a whole bunch of hate mail? See, <laughs> they're getting after us guys, man. Yeah. And so uh so there was just this kind of ridiculousness and then but there was another category where they would either st- start with one comment or the beginning of their comment where it was the good part of it, where they'd be yeah. like, well, I don't really understand. You know, I get what you're saying, but you know, I, I'm a part of MGTOW because I like to go my own way because I don't want to be involved in romance. And, you know, I just, I just kind of want to take a break and either comments down or as this paragraph progresses, it just slow. And it, the last few sentences are just that total scathing, just, you know, I hesitate to put like actual terms like toxic masculinity or, uh, you know, or uh, misogyny in there because those words are just so like misunderstood, I think, by a lot of people. But anyway, just statements like, you know, 
why would I ever want to marry a woman when all they want to do is just take my money? You know, that kind of stuff. And it would always devolve into that. And every time I would start with these people, this category, I'd be like, oh, great. I found someone who's rational in MGTOW. I I like, I'm always looking, you know me. Yeah, yeah. I'm always reaching out to the other side. You know what I mean? I'm always like with Republicans and, you know, Trump supporters, like, you know me, man. Like, right, it, right, right. I frustrate you with you the do. fact that I, <laughs> I like, try to understand. You're gonna, you're, you're like sitting there, you know, the Nazis are invading our home, and, and you're like, well, hold on, let's hear them out. <laughs> and well, I'm like, come on. I mean, uh, so the, exactly. So, the aliens, the aliens are, are anally probing us. You're like, well, I mean, they might be after something interesting. <laughs> hey, give and take. That's, so, you know, as I'm reading these comments, I'm thinking, oh, great. I, I have a bridge, you know? Yeah. I have a bridge to the MGTOWians. The bridge to nowhere. <laughs> and then, it, and yeah, and it just, you know, it, every time. And I, so I just wanted to talk about now, that. Now, why are they so upset that the women want to take their money for the relationship? Don't they want someone to make them a sandwich? <laughs> so, uh,. Patron Natasha writes in and asked us to give our top ten Seattle restaurants. Okay, did I did I tell you to prep for this at all? This top ten restaurants? Yeah, I have top ten restaurants. Okay, so so go ahead and give me give me some restaurants. Okay, I got a Saja, and, and you got to pick, and you got to pick like your number one. By the way, oh my numero uno. Yeah, so okay, I'm gonna go shout out to my. Uh, do I start with number one? Whatever you want to do. I'm going to start with number one. Asajo. Ristarante. Oh, yeah. You, you and, you, Mauro. You and I have been there. You know the yes. owner. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not only a great restaurant, but it's got a lot of emotional significance for me. I've been going there forever. Uh, the owner is a dear friend, and, and many of my friends, uh, we've been there for many years. So it, that's my numero uno. And it's great food. It's fantastic food. It's yeah. right on 4th Italian. Yeah. Um, it's a Italiano. classic... It's, I think it's been there for decades. Yeah. Italian restaurant yeah. right down in, sort of in between downtown and Belltown. Yes. And uh, yeah, it, it's that classic Italian feel. Yes. Big plates. And, lot- he, and he comes out, and he, he himself is not actually Italian, but he might as well be, because he comes out, he's like, you know, Umberto Bello, oh, welcome here. And then he just hugs you and kisses is he, you. Is he American? No, he's, uh, he's Middle Eastern. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to start not with my number one. I'm going to, I'm going to, now, this is very easy for me to do, actually, to come up with my top 10. Or Be- Greek. <laughs> one of those. From the faraway <laughs> lands, you know. <laughs> um, Terrible. Uh, this is, this is easy for me to do to come up with my top 10 because I'm, I'm a Yelper. Yeah. And I've been Yelping for, I don't Yelp. know, over 10 years. I probably like, I don't know, 13 right. years. Ever since You take Yelp- this seriously. Yeah. And the only, and, People are always complaining to me about my Yelp reviews because they're very short. But to me, I don't use Yelp to like broadcast my thoughts to other people. Yeah. I use it as a log for myself. <laughs> okay, got it. Because C- I forget where I like to go. And yeah, yeah. so this, this helps me. And so I, I've, I've rated almost 2,000 restaurants ju- just in the okay. Seattle area. You yeah, know what I mean? Good burger. <laughs> yeah, p- really. I mean, to me, it's just like great burger. That's all I need to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, Yelp now more recently has stopped letting me do that. It's like you, oh. your review has to be longer, which I find wow. to be really stupid. It's like yeah. if you can't summarize your thoughts like in, in 12 <laughs> words, like, like why do I Ain't need to write got more? time for that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm not including delis or bars because it just makes it, you know, uh, kind of confusing. Sure. You're so, like sit down s- right. restaurants. And 
I'm basing this list mostly on food experience, meaning like the food, is it good? I, I'm not, not necessarily going off of service or ambiance right. or something. Um, because, okay, oh, no, but that's important. Okay, so you're, you're really going after the food, angle. Right, because that's a whole other thing. I mean, the, the, for example, the Space Needle restaurant, yeah. everyone has to go there right. every few years. Because of the uh, ambiance and, si- and the, the view. And but the food is terrible, yeah. and the and service, the service and the food are notoriously <laughs> terrible. So so uh, many 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 years ago, at my work at the time, I guess I can talk about it. It was I was a framer, um, you know, framed people. Um, I uh, got a gift certificate to go to the Space Needle, and so I took a date, and this was many you know eons ago. The gift certificate was for a hundred bucks. That's not. So that's I was not, like, "That's not enough." But this was eons ago, you know, back when the dollar was worth like a hundred dollars or whatever. And I was like, "Dude, it's amazing!" So I was so excited. I thought we was gonna eat like kings and stuff. You know, we ordered a couple appetizers and the dinner. That the alcohol alone <laughs> blew right through that. And there was no way. Like we we ended up spending like three times as much. And. And it was not money we had. <laughs> well, you know, now they're they're renovating it. Are they? Well, haven't you seen it? It looks all funny now because it has like all this scaffolding around, what? around the top. I haven't top. seen it. Oh, it's... Is uh, it, what city is this? <laughs> <laughs> and they are making it so that everything is glass. So, I, although... What? I, I've seen pictures, so I'm not quite sure. But from, from rumor and from the internet... That'd be trippy. Like the you entire, look down in your... Right. So, it used to revolve. Yeah. Right? So, the whole restaurant would revolve around. Right. And so, like, you know, if you had dinner, you'd go around like five or six times, you know? Right. And you'd see all the different, you know, sites around Seattle. By the way, my prom was at the Space Needle, but not in the restaurant. It was like in a floor below or something. Right. There's another kind of banquet yeah. hall. Well, no, actually, there's the observation deck. That's probably where you were. Well, we got to go to the observation deck, but where the thing was held was in the banquet hall below. That's even – that's like halfway down, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it would revolve. But now they've changed it so that the the floor is actually glass or resin or something. Whoa. And then the chairs and the tables are also glass. What? So like if you're sitting there on your table, like – you're you're floating in space. It's Superman's Crystal Palace. Yeah. Anyway, um, I also I'm only talking about the places that are open today because okay. many of my favorite restaurants have actually closed, oh. p- particularly my favorite burger places. Well, that's unfortunate. And this is just in Seattle proper. Not what was area. your favorite burger place? Uh, my favorite burger place was Burger Hero, which was in Belltown. Oh, I never it, knew of this place because so. The thing about let me talk about burgers a little bit because <laughs> I love burgers. I love, I love burgers. I love French fries. I love tater Good tots. <laughs> I love onion rings. And the thing about burgers is that as they became more gourmet in the last ten years, right? They started becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. yeah, impossibly big, <laughs> right? Impossibly uh, tall. Yeah, because what you what they wanted, you know, like what actually my second favorite was Lunchbox Lab, right? Which sure. I which I think is also closed. Oh, did they? I, I think so. I think oh. they, you know. And then there was actually this place in Ballard that I can't remember the name. But anyway. The eight Ounce or whatever? No, that, that's my favorite, okay. Eight Ounce. That's on Capital. That's okay. still there. Um, but anyway, and so I would look at this burger and I'd be like, oh, my God, this burger looks amazing. <laughs> but then I'd try to shove right. it in my burger hole. <laughs> and you can't. And you can't do it. It, it falls apart. Right. It starts to fall apart. <laughs> it's dripping all over your hands. Yep. I need 10,000 napkins. It's just like... And then I would go to a place like Burger Hero where it's, 
you know, it's flat. Uh, it's still big and juicy, but it's like right. you can fit it in your mouth, which yeah. is, you know, sort of like a requirement, right? And it was good and, you know, right. and on the flame and any, anyway. Okay, so. Uh, so not, do you remember back in the day? You'd order a Big Mac, but it like would be sitting for a bit, and it get all soggy, and then like the bread was flopping all over the place, and you're trying to eat it. And it's you know, like, I don't ah. remember that. <laughs> um, I do remember when. So I was listening to a podcast, and they were talking about some guy who has the record for eating the most Big Macs like ever. He's he, oh no, he's eaten like tens of thousands of Big Macs or something. That's all. What? That's that's all he eats. Oh my god. And uh, and he was talking about how they cost like four fifty or four dollars something, and I was like, a Big Wait, Mac? What? Yeah. Oh my god! Because to me, a Big Mac is like a dollar twenty five. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I think times have changed. It's and... just soy, right? <laughs> okay, so I actually can't. I couldn't narrow it down to ten, so I, I have eleven. Okay. So number eleven is canless. Have you been to canless? Oh yes. So it's on Aurora. It's one of the fanciest restaurants in Seattle. It's amazing. Uh, it's and to me, that's in my top ten too. Okay, because to me, I think Canlis really delivers. If you want a fancy dinner, right. and a fancy experience, but you, but you don't, but you're, it's not intimidating. No. You know, like you go in there and it's definitely fancy. Mm-hmm. They have ten thousand pieces of silverware. They have. Yeah. I, I noticed when I, I've only been there once. I noticed when I was there that. Uh, I there was a waiter. There was a different waiter for every single action. <laughs> so if they filled the water, different waiter, and then the next yeah. time they filled the water, different waiter, different waiter. <laughs> and then the, and and it's it and it's like ten courses, you know. So I, I found out about that place from our common friend Micho, Micheline, yeah. Michelin tires. Yeah, because uh, but you know he he thought I was he thought I was crazy for never having heard of it. So I've only been there twice. One time. I think with him and his mom, and then one other time with a team from work. It's got a great bar, too. Yeah. Which a lot of people don't realize. You can just go in there and go to yeah. the bar. Because it's, it's a nice place, has a nice view. Oh, it's beautiful. Of Lake Union and stuff. Actually, to get there, though, it's, it's a little It's sketch. a little... It's a, well, <laughs> what do you mean? Um, well, no... It, it seems sketch, but it's actually yeah. not. I mean, you it's have probably to... probably not. It's just, you yeah. have to do valet, because they, don't, they yeah. don't have a parking. But. It's just, I feel like that whole area there... It's like when you're in the nice places, it's fine. But I wouldn't walk around there at night. Uh, I don't know. I think I think I think you're thinking of a different kind of zone of Aurora. You okay. know what I mean? For uh, sure. Maybe, maybe just because Aurora in general just gives me the for sure. GBGBs. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, number ten, Chandler's Crab House on Lake Union. Have you? It's by Daniels. Have you been there? Chandler's Crab I don't House. Think so. Um, it's great. I I you know. I was as I was making this list. I was like, "Well, I gotta pick like a seafood Seattle place because mm. you know you got your salties and your your Pike Place chowder and your you know what I mean." So it's like I gotta pick a Seattle yeah. place. And to me, it's Chandler's. Chandler's is the the best food, and it's really not the most famous of this. You know, Seattle is known for salties and um, what's right. the other big one that that uh, people always go to? Anthony's, or yeah, something. Anthony's, yeah. The, and those play or Ivers. The, Ivers those yeah. places have nothing on Chandler's. Like, Chandler's is actually... Like I, I, I mean, I must have been to Chandler's. I know the name. I must have been there, but... Uh, number nine, Mashiko, which is West Seattle. Whoa. It's at the Junction, and it's Japanese food. It's probably my favorite tasting Japanese food really? in Seattle. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to choose, because 
there are literally hundreds of Japanese restaurants in Seattle, mm-hmm. and I've reviewed like 150 of them. Oh my god! And uh, Mashiko is def- has occasionally been my number one. It's in West Seattle. The nice thing about it is that it's all environmentally sound fish. Really? Yeah. So they don't actually have certain kinds of fish. Oh, I want to go try this because Mashiko. because they they make it. You know, uh, they make sure that the the fish that they're getting isn't harming. The, I see. The environment. Sustainable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, run by a half half Japanese guy. Uh, number eight, eight ounce burger bar. <laughs> On Broadway, go. big burgers, but not too big. <laughs> they got great shakes. They got great yes, tots. Yes, they do. They got great tots. They have good drinks. And it's a great atmosphere. They, they have one in Ballard, too. Oh, they do? Yeah. Okay. Um, number nine, Tacos El Asadero. What? Tacos El Asadero. Tacos El Asadero. It's it's a taco bus on Rainier Avenue. Really? It's it's literally a bus. You get on the bus, like an old school bus <laughs> that they you know renovated into a, ta- into a taco stand. Uh, stand, and you actually walk on the bus like you. Oh, you would, really do? Yeah, you get kidding. you you get on oh the bus gosh, like hilarious. a nor- and they cleared out all the seats and yeah. created these like benches and stuff. And that's there's so there's a lot of great taco uh, buses in Seattle, but this one's my favorite because I think the food is really great. And huh. but it's super cheap, you know. Like you could probably get a meal there for three dollars, you know. Wow. And the the best of these taco trucks, the the people do not speak English. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when you're talking to them, it's it's a process, right? <laughs> uh, number six, Cafe Mox in Ballard. Um, have you been there? No. It's so it's a it's a, a restaurant bar game shop. What? So they sell like D and D stuff, but oh like also like every Settlers of Gatan expansion. I need to move to Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> and they uh, the great thing about Cafe Mox, and there, uh, there's one in Bellevue too, but the one in Ballard is better. They you can go there and actually the food's pretty good, uh-huh. and you can get beers and drinks and stuff, and you can just grab a game from from the retail uh-huh. uh, side of the of the place, and a staff person will come and open the game and explain it to you. Wow! So you can sit th- and and they'll sit there for like forty five minutes, and because some of those games, well, you and I have played one of those games. Remember? Yeah. Remember? Was it Lord of the Rings game that we played? Yeah, yeah. That w- took us. It took us like an hour just to start. Right. <laughs> right. So. Is great, you know, and and uh, they also have like private rooms in the back that you can play D and D in and stuff. And that's um, cool. And some people actually just dungeon masters will just go back there and like hang a shingle, and you can just walk in and play. D&D. Oh man, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Do, uh, are you worried that your food might get cursed? <laughs> um, number five is Seattle Fish Guys. It's in the central district. C- central district. Again, um, half Japanese people, I think. And it's pretty new, uh-huh. and it's a it's a deli. So this is the one deli I loud <laughs> okay <laughs> because it is amazing. So really? so it's they basically have sushi there, like sashimi, okay. like you know slabs of raw fish, and they have seaweed, you know the Japanese seaweed, and they have shrimp, mm-hmm. and they have chowder, and but it's it, a deli, but it's a deli, but. It looks like a fish deli. When you walk in, okay. it looks like a fish counter. You know, they got all yeah. the all the fish, you know, on ice, blah blah blah. But they also serve for really cheap prices 
the best sushi you could probably get in Seattle. Oh my god! Because they just make it right there. Right. They, you know, they're the wholesalers, so they just chop it up. Oh, interesting. And it is so good. Seattle Fish Guys Central Seattle District. Guys. Go there. Number four, Bakery Nouveau, another West Seattle Junction place. They also there's also one on Capitol Hill. It is a, a French bakery, mm. and there's a again. I'm breaking my deli rule again. <laughs> You're like no delis, but. <laughs> You know, 20% of my choices are. <laughs> but, man, Bakery Nouveau, I can't tell. Actually, I left off another one off this. There's a, there's a Vietnamese deli in, in, uh, in Little Saigon. Oh, I thought you were going to say, okay. That, uh, I can't remember what it's called. But, but anyway, they had the best banh mi sandwiches. I, I used oh, to, I got to try those. I used to go there twice a day. I'd drive across town. Just to really? go to Little Saigon and get you know one or two banh mi sandwiches, I was oh so ad- I was so addicted. So addicted. Well, because there, there's there's a place right by where Paul drummer Paul lives that has banh mi sandwiches, like on the block where he lives. Yeah, yeah, and those are really good. But I've not tried these other ones that you're talking about. Yeah, there's something about this one place, and I can't remember what it's called. Anyway, but ba- Bakery Nouveau has some of the best pizza, okay. the best uh, turkey croissant sandwiches, uh-huh. like. With you know good mayonnaise and good cheese and good mustard and the you know but the best pizza too best so, pizza wow and the best like macaroons and the best like oh, nice. little cakes and the best uh, tarts and the best um, what else do they got just, bakery they just, nouveau yeah bakery nouveau okay number three is ma- it pretty new no ah okay. uh, number three is maneki which oh is, yeah. The oldest, reportedly the oldest restaurant in Seattle. Oh, really? It's been around for like 150 years. No way. It's in what they call the, the International District. Uh, it used to be called Chinatown. It used to be called uh, Little Japan or Japantown. <laughs> and it's Maneki, and it is uh, the best menu. And, and it, when I walk in there, not only do the people who work there, but just the vibe, it reminds me of my grandma's house. Oh, wow. It just feels like I'm walking into my grandma's house. I have been there once. It is the and best. And it was fantastic. So, so it, and, and there's all these different rooms. Right. There's like, there's like a bar in the front, and everything's crammed in, which is real typical to Japanese uh, layouts. Like they, I they, am right that that's one of the places where you sit, like your legs go... Well, so they have so they have to Tommy. They so they have a bar, like a small bar, and then they have regular tables, and then they have a couple tatami rooms where you sit on the ground. And 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 so my then there's another bar in the back. Ah, okay. (laughs) So one question I had is, is that how it is in Japan, or did they do the leg holes just for the U.S.? They do that in Japan with the leg holes, but why don't they just build it higher off the ground with seats? (laughs) Because it's just traditional, you know, and. And also in Japan, there's there's just a lot of variety to the way people sit in restaurants in Japan. Japan has a lot of different kinds of restaurant culture, you know. It tripped me up the first time I went there because I thought I, I didn't see the holes. And I was like, oh, man, this is going to be so uncomfortable. Right, right, to, like, right. And then uh, – and it, you know what it reminded me of? Did you ever have the Tauntaun toy when you were a kid? I think I might have. So well, I my wa- little brother did because he, <laughs> he was so spoiled. He had all those things. So I watched the commercials, right? And I'm like, my mind was blown when I would watch the commercials because they would show the little Tauntaun with Han Solo or Luke in it and running around in the, in the commercial and the kid was moving it. But it, it looked like the legs were on the sides. And I was like, how, did, how are they doing that? Because the legs, if you remember, the legs right. didn't separate. Yeah, yeah. 
so so I kept looking at my because I had a couple. I had the the Han Solo, the the Hoth Han Solo, and I had the Luke. Uh, not not Hoth Luke. I had Cloud uh, City Luke, and I would look at the legs. And I'm like, how do I separate them? Ooh, Cloud City Luke was cool. Oh yes, and I finally got a Tauntaun, and I was so disappointed because they had a little remember the hatch, yeah. the legs go in the hatch, right. and they just have the mold of the legs on the side. Yeah. I thought that was cheating. Yeah. I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in Japan, houses, they still have tatami rooms. Like uh, the houses are, they they don't sell houses by square feet. They sell them by tatamis. (laughs) Oh, wow. So they'll be like, this this house has 17 tatami. You know what What? I mean? Yeah, because people understand rooms by you know how like if i told you oh that you know this house has 2400 square feet yes you would understand what that means yeah whereas they they understand by tatami and what does that mean like 17 tatami is what 17 tatamis or 17 place tatami a tatami is a set uh standard size of a mat ah got it it's it's a you know a straw I mat see. and it is probably four by two or something oh. anyway and their and their bedrooms, in my experience, still had those tatamis. Anyway, um, number two, Pagliacci. Pagliacci. <laughs> that does that count? That's the chain. It's delicious. It's a Seattle. I love Pagliacci. Seattle chain, though. Yeah, but but is it? Does it count as a sit down restaurant? I guess there is absolutely that the the, right. the one in Lower Queen Anne. I sure. I went there. There was a couple of years where I Look, went there almost every day. Don't get me wrong, Pagliacci is. Absolutely amazing. I'm Pronounced Pagliacci. Sorry, Pagliacci. Yeah. And is it Versace? <laughs> and I I just love their pizza. I mean pizza's so good anyway, but like Pagliacci, I, I've never had pizza that comes close to Pagliacci. By the way, do you know that it's Versace, not Versace? Really? Uh, number one, can you guess what my number one is? I've I've been there with you like at least a few times. Oh we have? Yeah. Oh, it's not Palisades? No. Okay. Um, can where have we been? Can we, we haven't been there probably in five, a long time. Five, four or five years, yeah. Okay. Can you give me a type of food? Uh, diner. It's a diner? Yeah. What? So I'll, any, uh, <laughs> I'll give you another. Uh, Triple eggs burger. <laughs> I'll give you another hint. Um, okay. I'm trying to think. You can put picture. You can draw. Oh, okay. Okay. Is it uh, what the arcade one? Uh no. No, because you wouldn't have... Um, Arcade. Oh, yeah, I know. Uh, where Nirvana and they would... It's on on the... Right by the by the park. Yeah. Uh, Beth's Diner. Yeah, Beth's Beth. Diner. Yeah, Beth's Diner, yeah. So many memories there. Got it. So Seattle. And it's a diner. It's, you know, the yes. food... Actually, the food is... I'm breaking my rule again. Because <laughs> the food, it's... There's nothing great about the food. That's... Dude, your rule was an anti-rule. <laughs> But my dad would go there. No, Beth's is great, man. When he was a, a like a kid, you yeah. know, he would go yeah. there at late. So it's twenty four hour. Right. At least, it used to be twenty four hours. It's late night. Oh, it's not twenty four anymore. I think they, you know, the neighbors because there's people who live like yeah. upstairs, and so yeah. I think they shut down oh. for like from like four to six or something, <laughs> so they can get two hours of sleep. Yeah, and the the wait staff are always awesome and it, and there's all these pictures on the wall from people draw pictures and they got an old jukebox yes. with like all this great like Seattle music and so awesome and it's dirty and the people who work there look like you know like 
they've seen some things. <laughs> Oh, and man. and you just Beth's is just I don't know it's just it's Didn't just we the go best. there after a show once yeah we've we've been yeah. there a number of times um, honorable mention I, I have a lot of honorable mentions I'm just going to rattle them off okay. these are all restaurants I actually, I enjoy as well Black Bottle Daniel's Blue Bistro Bambino's Pizza the Brooklyn Chuck's Hole in the Wall Barbecue <laughs> Chico Shiro's Oddfellows Olympia Pizza George's Greek Restaurant West Five Six Seven One you and I have been to one. I hope we got a uh, little money from all these advertisements. Le Pichet, <laughs> Bongos, that Cuban place. That's, oh, also, yeah, yeah. that's kind of by Beth's. The one that reopened. Oh, it reopened? Oh, okay. Via Tribunale. Oh, wait, no, sorry. Is that not the sandwich place? Yeah, they have sandwich. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Salumi, five, five Guys Burgers. That's a chain, too, but yeah. I, I think that's a quality burger. Briley's Barbecue, Samurai Noodle, Lola, Collections Cafe, Ohana, remember? Ohana means, means family. <laughs> Royal Grinders, Tats Deli, we've been to Tats. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Monster Dogs, Willie's Taste of Soul Barbecue, Tulio, Barolo Palace Kitchen, Molina's, Cask and Trotter, Serafina, which uh, Christy used to work at, Frolic, uh, Roxy's, Paquitos, Honey Court, Harbor City for Dim Sum, Geraldine's Counter, Urbane, Ram, Kona Kitchen, which <laughs> we've played, uh, Brave Horse Tavern, and Chaco Canyon Organic Cafe. Wow, you like everything. <laughs> hey, you know what place I just walked those by are just, the other that, day? Those are just the top 40 restaurants, you know. There's, there's yeah. thousands there's, you know, that, that I didn't have on the list. You know what place I walked by the other day? What? Um, is there, you might have mentioned it. Uh, that barbecue place downtown that we did our... One of our first episodes. Right. Well, out. that's what it's. That's uh, that's Chuck's hole. In the oh, that's wall. Chuck's hole. That's why I like. Yeah, I was uh, downtown and I walked by and there was a line. You know, and I'm yeah, like, hey, this is the place. That's yeah, great barbecue. Yeah. yeah, early on in the podcast, we uh, your your phone. Uh, uh, early on in the podcast, I thought we would do Seattle segments that had nothing to do with uh, psychology. Right. Kind of like this segment right here. <laughs> And I actually organized a day where we reviewed different uh, uh, barbecue joints downtown, which is a really bad idea because <laughs> we ate barbecue at, at all the restaurants <laughs> and we were so full. Anyway, uh, let's take a break, Berto. All right. All right. We're back from the break. If you haven't become a patron of the podcast, what's wrong with you, Berto? I mean, what, what are wrong? What what's is wrong, wrong with me? No, what's wrong with people if they haven't become a patron yet? Okay. Like, uh, Why would they not if if they're listening this this far? They there's something mu- wrong with them. They're, they must they, like it, right? I think they may. Well, if they haven't become a patron, I think they may need to seek uh, counseling. Yeah, and we might provide that because uh, I'm a licensed non nothings. Uh, but but I do think there is something wrong with you if you don't contribute at <laughs> least a thousand dollars to this podcast a month. <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, go to patreon.com become a patron. Also, uh, if you ever have trouble accessing the premium episodes, email me at contact at psychologyinseattle.com. Uh, I don't really understand the technology very well, but, <laughs> but I, I can often help you with it. Also, buy my book called Multi-Role Clinical Supervision. Also, join the Facebook fan group and, and like us on Facebook and so you can play our Tuesday Tougher Bluff game. Also, if you want to find we've, – we've now made – you know, close to 700 episodes and you can access the archive on our website. Every episode is on our, on our website, plus a list of every episode. Plus we're having our 10 year anniversary show in August, 2018. Uh, we don't know, or no, we did lock down the date. Yeah. Which is Saturday, August 
13 or something whatever that that saturday yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and but uh more on that later uh i also want to give away some swag so berto let's give away swag to the three most recent patrons Mm. we got elizabeth from fresno we got michelle from lincoln nebraska Ooh. And we got Susan, who did not leave their address, so we can't send swag Aww, to Susan. Susan. And we got Andy from Portland. Okay. From our rival town, Portland. Represent. I don't know how I feel about. I don't know how I feel about you, Andy. But uh, but Michelle or wait, is it Danielle or Michelle? I don't know. Uh, and Elizabeth, we are going to send you some swag in the mail. Swaggerific. Also, we so um. Brito, uh, patron Laura from mm-hmm. Beaumont, Texas, she uh, was coming to town as a tourist. Really? And she uh, emailed me and said, hey, let's meet up. And I, and I said, sure, come by my office in between clients and we could chat. And she was lovely and she had some very nice things to say about the podcast. Oh. And she gave us some gifts. So uh, she gave us this. Right here, and I want you to describe what what you are seeing when okay. you when you look at that. <laughs> oh, okay, I see uh, some sort of animal staring at my soul. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, Princess Mononoke. Well, it, it's a it's a field guide, a laminated field guide of the animals and and their poop. <laughs> Tracks, scats, and signs. Yeah. So <laughs> if you find animal poop in Texas. That is, that. but it's it's like this deer looking at me like, "Yep, that's my poop." What? <laughs> <laughs> and she also, and she said she uh, in Beaumont, Texas. There's this. Uh, oh God, there's this is a, cool. There's this store called Heb or H E B, and she wanted me to know that. And oh she God. also bought us these Texas style uh, millionaires. <gasps> Which what pecans, honey caramel, and milk chocolate? They, oh my god! They're like turtle or what's those? What are yeah, those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, what are they called? Tur- yeah, turtles, right? Turtle no. like, chocolate turtles. Yeah, <laughs> this looks delicious. Yeah. Oh, but it's best before and the date is scratched out. So uh, maybe we're being tri- uh, September eighteenth. Okay, we so, we gotta eat it fast. So thanks, patron Laura, for Thank you. for the gifts. And can I for- memorize this? So, like I can recognize poop when I'm out and about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's do um, some gripes of wrath here. So I, I want to start this, Berto, with the gripe of All wrath. Right. So I'm I, I I like massages. You know, I like to I like to relax. Massage toi. And so, but one one of the things that I used to do is I would do the full on massage. You know, the hour hour and a half. Right. And I, I had this uh, massage therapist that I really liked who had different offices around Seattle and I kept like kind of following her. In fact, she had one office in West Seattle, which always gave me an excuse to go to Bakery Nouveau. Uh. And, and it was, you know, it's the full thing where you, you, right. you get naked, you, you, you got to get down there. It's, it's a, it's probably a couple hour kind right. of ordeal. You know what I mean? Was there also like a steam room or something or no? Okay. But sometimes there's that too, right? Okay. And I don't have the time for that, really. Right. With the podcast, it's and a long commitment. <laughs> eat, with eating, you know, Texas size uh, candy bars, and so sometimes I'm just like, you know, what I really like is just the shoulder and the neck. Oh, right. You know what I mean? I just, I just want to really. That's my favorite part of the massage, anyway. 
so I found this place in Northgate Mall that actually just do just does head and neck. Oh. And so you, you you sit down on one of those chairs where you're right. kind of you're just kind of uh, leaning forward. You're yeah. leaning forward. Yeah. yeah, you're just leaning forward. They have those at the airport. Okay. Well, not all airports, but the SFO airport. Right. So all I want is like 15 minutes of that. Yeah. I mean, to me, 15 minutes of of good shoulder and neck of is like the the best. You know. <laughs> yeah. And. And it's cheaper too, and you don't have to do the whole rigmarole. Right. And so I go in, and it, there's a lot of these Chinese or Vietnamese places in Seattle, and this right. was no exception. So I go in there, and there are I'm the second customer, and there's two. Uh, I think they're Chinese guys uh-huh. who are you know working on uh, me and someone else. And in China, in Chinese, they start talking to each other. Okay. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, it's this isn't your typical kind of spa atmosphere. They're they're not trying to uphold the the, the silence right. the way that you try to do in other places. But I do hear a woman, the host, kind of telling him to shut up a little. Bit. <laughs> you know, I can I can just sort of by context the tone, sure. tone of voice. Well, and I'm just thinking, oh, okay, but this is pretty good massage, and he's yeah. he's getting in there, you know. And I'm just like, oh yeah, this is this is hitting the spot. And I'm thinking, and I'm in my head. I'm fantasizing. I'm like, man, I'm going to come here once a week. Right. You know, like it's your I, new thing. Yeah, it's just like twenty bucks. Right. Every Friday afternoon, like just come in or just you know roll in here. Like <laughs> this is going to be great. I'm planning way ahead. And then all of a sudden, the guy on me starts to escalate with the guy oh. next. Oh. Next. Oh no. Yeah. So so they start exchanging words in Chinese that are. Uh, you know, not friendly to each other. Oh my god! And it escalates and escalates. Oh no! How stressful! And escalates. And you're sitting there trying to relax. And and now they're screaming at each other. Oh my gosh! And the woman is now. I can tell by the tone. Of, like she's she's now in proximity. I can't see because I'm facing the wall. You know what I mean? Oh no! And so the the, the hostess is now <laughs> in the mix, and. And all I can think is like, I wonder what the other dude is thinking, who's who's right. also getting, you know. But they're they're screaming at each other, and the host is like, ah, you know, the three of them are just yelling at each other, <laughs> and my whole fantasy was just sh- oh, no. shattered. In my head, I'm like, I'm never coming back here again. Of course. This is like a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode. <laughs> Larry David sitting there enjoying his massage and this massive outbreak of, of fight. <laughs> I mean, what I, what I want, wanted to know was what, what happened. What were they fighting about? Was yeah. it like you're not doing it right? Or you yes, che- I am. You had sex with my wife, or right. you know, or what could possibly have needed to have occurred in that? Oh, in that's that- what it was. He was, you know, the one guy's giving me a massage. She's like, "Is this what you were doing to her?" No, I was doing this. Oh, yeah, what about this? <laughs> do you got a gripe? Oh, yes, I definitely do. So, uh, man, I got a couple gripes. My first gripe is sort of serious, though. Um, like, what's up with Russia, man? They Poisoning spies, getting the whole world against them. Yeah. We don't need another war. No. That's my thing. So, like, that one's a real gripe. Like, I'm just sitting there like, dude, we better calm down. Can we all just... Get along for reals. Yeah. Uh, but I have one more, you know, trivial gripe <laughs> compared to that one anyways. Um, okay, so here's the deal. I'm driving. I'm on the freeway, 405. 
Now, you know they have those lanes now where it's got the double lines, and you're not supposed to cross the double lines. For HOV. For HOV. And they're paid. They're paid. They're paid HOV. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to have a bite of Every this. Every day. Have a bite. I'm going to have a bite. Are you going to have a bite of your gripe? Okay. I'm going to have a bite of it. Every day I see at least three or four people cross that line. They cross the double line. They can't wait. They're either trying to get out or trying to get in. They can't wait. Mm. Patron Laura, thanks for this uh, <laughs> delectable. So that's making my gripe. But so you've seen this, I'm sure. You're driving and someone like just zooms past the double line. But if you're going to break the law, you know, and just ignore the double line, can you at least not cut people off? Because that, that's like the ultimate. You're sitting there driving on the normal lane, right? And, you, you, and I actually have the, the good to go thing. So I, I'm waiting for the opening where it actually opens up so I can get in that one. And here comes some jerk that's trying to get into it because there's, there, you know, there's traffic. And they're not only going to cross the double line, but they cut me off. Well, you're talking about two different problems. I mean, you're talking about someone who doesn't know how to change lanes safely. It's the double egregious, though, because the, the reason they're trying to squeeze in is so they can break the other law. Like, they're trying to cut me off so they can get in before the traffic stops. Before the traffic stops. Oh, yeah, because, you know, we're all slowing down. Oh, they're panicking. Yeah, they're panicking. They're, oh, I got to get in the double lines. Right. They're not supposed to cross the double lines. So yeah. to get in the double lines. And by the way, if someone's coming fast, oh, that's the end, right? Right, yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. Okay, that's a good gripe. Um, I've crossed those double lines. Oh, say it was you. <laughs> I, but I, I, I pride myself on being courteous on, right. on the freeway. <laughs> but I absolutely, because sometimes it's like, I mean, for you, you, you go on 405 all the time, probably. Yeah. So you probably know where those, yeah, I know where the, where those are. entrances are. To me, I, I probably go on 405 and need those lanes once every three months. Well, I'm definitely griping against you, but not as badly as the guy that nearly killed me and possibly others. And so there are times when, you know, I'm on ways and it'll actually tell me to get in those lanes. Okay. You know, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'll get in those lanes. And does it say, don't worry, we'll pay the fine. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, oh shit, got to get over there. And, and then, and then I don't know when the exit is. Right. And so sometimes I'm like panicking because I, 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 I remember 405 the way it used to be. Right. And so I've definitely crossed those double lines. Sometimes. Man, I hear you. You know, sometimes I'm like on the bus and I don't know when the next time I'm going to get paid is. So I see someone's purse a little open and I just take their money because, you know, I just don't know. <laughs> I don't mind paying. I just don't know what I'm doing. And I'm trying to avoid getting stuck on the freeway. All right. God damn it, I took a took a big bite. <laughs> Tell us how you feel. <laughs> Tell us another gripe. Okay, let's another gripe. All right. So I was uh, did I tell you I did jury duty? Did we talk about my jury duty? No. Oh my god, dude. Have you ever done jury duty? Oh yeah. There, okay. was, there was a time when the city of Seattle or the state asked me to do jury duty like once every six months. What? And because I because I kept going. Oh, okay. Because once you know they Uh-oh. say it's ran- they say it's random. Yeah. I'm positive that they if you if if they know you're a responder, oh. you randomly come up in the lottery a lot Wait, more. Wait, so but don't you have to respond? Well, <laughs> so eventually I started writing them and I and I was like, not only have I gone to the jury pool a number of times, yeah. but I've been on a jury. 
and had to miss work and right. money because I was actually in a trial. Right. Can you please start? I know other people who have never been asked. Right. Can you please ask them? Right. And they would be like, fuck you, Kirk. Come down here. Right. And so I'd go down. And then six months later, I get asked again. Oh, my God. And then, I, and then I'd, I'd send him another letter. I'd be like, could you please, you know, exempt me this time? Yeah. Because I feel like I've paid my due. Yeah. I know people who have never been. In yes. fact, I don't know any one of my friends who's ever actually been on a jury. Now I know you. Now you know one. <laughs> and, and how long have you lived in the Seattle area? Forever. Yeah. And so, and eventually I just started saying, I'm not coming. And you can take me to, you can find me, I guess, if you want to, because this is ridiculous. And guess what? They stopped asking me. Really? So I think it's a system that they say one thing, but they do another. You know That's what I mean? so weird. Yeah. Okay. Now, well, having said that, <laughs> everyone should do their do duty. Do their jury duty, yes. And, and if everyone does their part, then, No one know. has to be asked a billion times. Exactly. Well, I had never done it, and I got uh, asked to do it. <clears throat> Uh, I got the letter, and then I had to uh, I had to ask for a deferral because I had something that I couldn't miss. So they deferred it a few months, and then I had to do it in February. So I showed up, and I didn't know what to expect, you know. And it's the huge room with everyone there and stuff like that. Well, my name got called. I was one of fifty people for assigned to one judge civil trial, and then they started the selection process. And I got to tell you, man. I, here's what I wasn't expecting. I wasn't expecting it to be an emotionally draining situation because I just thought it was going to be annoying because oh, I got to show up, I got to be there, and stuff like that. Um, but oh, and just to chime in, I, I was this during my spat of like several different jury duties. Yeah, this is before laptops really and before cell phones. Oh man! So all I had was like a, a notepad and and a pen, you know, and yeah. so I would I would like write notes right. and about or ideas or stuff that yeah. you know because this is like in the in the 90s and early aughts right so like now <laughs> they probably have wi-fi yeah they do and you could probably do all sorts you could watch netflix down there <laughs> but back then like you, you couldn't do anything anyway so well ahead. so so when you are when you're downstairs or whatever i i was able to get on my laptop and and you know look back at my framing days but uh when i get asked into the room then you're supposed to not, you know, put electronics away and stuff like that. But as you probably saw, I don't know what it was like for you, but they go around, they they, uh, they explain what the case is, and they introduce the the two parties. They talk about what it's about, uh, what it's like to be a juror and what it's going to mean, and then they start asking questions, and then they start asking you to 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 say things. Yeah, imagine a therapist, you know, right. a, a psychology person. How, how, what kind of questions I would get. Right. You know, they, I, I realized that some of the times they were, they were already working on the jury. Right. They would ask me questions knowing that their eventual jury members would be in the audience. Oh. And they right. had no intention of choosing me. But they wanted you to say something. But I felt like I was being an expert witness <laughs> when they got to me. You know what I mean? That's funny. They're like, so what would you think of da da da? I'd be yeah. like, is that really. <laughs> is that relevant, you know? But well, anyway. what, what tripped me up, man, is that people started sharing very, very personal stories. The, jur the, the jurors? Ju the potential jurors. Uh, as a result of being asked if they would have a conflict with this or that, they would share a lot of personal stories. Wow. And they were many of them were really intense. Uh, stuff like 
my mother died last week or I was abused as a child. Like these things came up. And, so, and this was just a civil trial, but it was a mal- malpract- medical malpractice thing. So I'm sitting there and, you know, my day start. I had to show up there like to park at like 7 and then the thing started. I didn't get called to like 11 and then I was there all day and then the thing ends at like 4. And then I decided I was going to go to work because I had missed my work day. So I did work till like 8 that night. When I got home, I felt like I had caught the flu, man. I felt so drained and I couldn't figure out why because sure it was a long day, but you know. And I put it together the next day when I showed up again because I had to go a second day because they hadn't dismissed me yet. And when I got there, I felt this sense of like overwhelm. You know, I was overwhelmed. I was like, oh my God. And it was that. It was that listening to all these personal stories. One, I mean, I I can't imagine how you did. You must have learned how to deal with it because I was sitting there. It was so many at the same time all at once. So many people with so many horrible stories. That it really did a number on my mind. <laughs> well, that's just a typical day for me, Berto. Yeah. Well, but but it was sort of the, the fact that it was 50 people all no, talking no, about how uh, horrible it is. Well, I get that. Uh, and it makes sense that that would be tough and it would uh, be tough for anybody. And Sorry. And part of it is that at first, I think most of us are sitting there selfishly thinking, oh, you know, I've got my own I, – you know, I got very good reasons why I shouldn't be here and – Man, I've had a hard life or whatever, right? So and people are trying to outdo each other? I Maybe, because then you start hearing and you're like, oh, never mind. Like, okay, that person should not be here. <laughs> well, what I found to be really heartwarming was all these professionals and regular Seattleites are volunteering their time and they all are taking it very seriously. Yeah. And when the lawyers and the judges ask them questions – they take it very seriously. Yeah. And so they answer in a very respectful – there's something about a courtroom that makes everyone very on their best behavior. Right. You know? Anyway. But my gripe of wrath oh. <laughs> is that the lawyer in his opening thing says to us – So you got chosen to be for the jury. No, no, no. Uh, oh. not, not their opening statements. They're, they each got to introduce their case and stuff, yeah. but just so that we would understand enough so that they could make So you never got chosen to be. On a... the second day, I w- my name was not called as the final 13. Oh. So I, I – I, but I w- it was down to like 35 or something. I was in the final 35, top 35. Um, anyways, but the, the lawyer says, you know, in about two weeks, we're going to be asking you to award – Several hundreds of thousands of dollars to my client. Are you going to be able to do that? You know, that was one of the, uh, the questions. And yet, simultaneously, we were being told by the judge not to consider the penalty, <laughs> not to consider what would happen to Because a lot of people were saying, well, wait, I don't want to ruin this person's practice. And it's like, no, no, you can't think that way. You can only think about the law and this thing. It's like, well, you, you can't have it both ways. You can't sit here and tell us. Then you can't allow the, the lawyer to tell us that. <laughs> yeah, that seems totally contradictory. Yeah. All right. Uh, patron Hallie wrote in. She wants us to talk about robot, robot ethics. Uh, patron Hallie, whom we met at the live event, she says, please, please, please consider doing an episode about robots, psychology, and ethics. Okay. It, they discussed uh, it on Westworld, the movie Her, and they, she's talking about something that she watched or something. They briefly talked about sex robots specifically geared towards pedophiles. Right. And I think this would be a fascinating episode. I, she wanted us to do a full episode about this, and maybe we will one day. But honestly, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm trying to get through everyone's emails, so I thought we'd just talk about it for a little sure, bit. Sure, let's do it. So, Berto, what do you think? I'm sure you have a lot of things to say. 
well, we don't yet have – we haven't reached that point yet, although, uh, you know, you could look at a video of the Boston dog getting kicked, and I think that might trigger some people. You know, it's, it's not actually hard to – we are very good at humanizing things, right? So uh, we see a, an animal, and we, we sort of attribute it a lot of human qualities, especially a really intelligent animal like a dog or a chimpanzee, right? Well, I don't think – it's a human quality to have an emotion. No, no, no. That's fine. But what I mean is... Or to be hurt. What I mean is humans, pain. we're very good at looking at a little ball with a little smiley face and being like, oh, Bali, I love you, Bali. Right? right? Like, like Wilson, Let alone like, a dog. Like Wilson. Like Wilson. Yeah. So we see this Boston Dynamics mechanical dog. Which has no emotion. Which has no programmed uh, emotions other than it does have a program that reacts one way or the other to things. But it's not a... It couldn't care... You know, it doesn't care. Well, yeah, I mean, we'll get to this. But the point is, it's not doing, it's not feeling pain. Let's put it that way. No. And the human is kicking it, but it's still, tri- I, I'm sure some people get triggered by that. Like, don't hurt that creature, right? Right, right, right. Okay, and that's where we're at right now, which is that. Now, I'm, I'm going to make an argument that I, I think I think you disagree with, but um, which is that although it's true that we have pain and we feel pain, um, the pain itself isn't more real than any other program. It just, it hurts us because that's what the pain does. And so when someone is like crushing my arm, I really am feeling pain and I really want them to stop. But at the same time, it's just signals going to my brain and my brain going, uh, reacting in a biological way that makes me trigger immediately to try to make it stop. You can program a computer to have a similar reaction. You can program a computer that when I press a button, it needs to run away from that. Now, it's it's one of these things where like we can only put our human frame of mind into this. It's like yeah, but it's not it's not feeling what I'm feeling, and that's true. What's going to happen though, and and again, disagreement on how long and how soon and things. It's going to come to a point where things will not only appear more human, but they will have programs that are that are starting to need to react to the environment so that they can function. Things like not necessarily hunger, although they might have hunger for solar power or to plug in and things like that. But they will definitely uh, – and actually, so here's a perfect example. You might need to program the need to find power at all costs before you get turned off. Now, someone could argue that that's probably not necessary because uh, unlike a human, turning off doesn't erase the, 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 the robot. So maybe it's not critical that it kills someone to try to get to a power outlet, right? But you might still program really intense desires to find energy. Well, I think uh, a sort of a better example to give is that people will want to program, you know, artificial life forms, so to speak, yeah. for either their entertainment or for interaction. So yeah, there there will sure you know there will we have. Uh, robot cars that are on the road right now that, you know, can sense things and even fuel themselves and stuff. Yes. So so I think what you're talking about is is kind of already in existence in some ways. You right. know, it, it wants to avoid hitting people, it wants to avoid hurting itself, you know, so to speak. Yeah. But but one day they're gonna have the capability either just for shits and giggles or for some actual market, you know, retail selling purpose. Uh, something that you want to have emotions like a human, you know, because you, you want to either interact with it and have it be real, or you want to abuse it in some way, you know, like 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 what 
patron Hallie is saying people are talking about the possibility in the future of having a, a robot that acts like a child yeah. and then someone could have sex with it. Right. And w- what's the ethics of, of that? Right. And so one of the things that I think we can try to draw a line in because it's really difficult is um, what is the potential value of a, of a entity? And what I mean by that is when a little human baby is born, the potential value of that entity is pretty high as far as the universe we know because it can grow potentially to be a, a full-grown human, which happens to be the most advanced creature we know of, right? Okay. And we know of humans that have done great things for human society. So that value, the potential value of that baby is really high compared to, in our human perspective, the potential value of an ant, for example, and, or the potential value of a rock or, or the potential value of a little program that says, hello world, right? So when you have, I could program right now a computer program that the screen goes to black and you see a, a young looking face and it's, it looks real. It looks photorealistic. It's just, you know that it's not real. And it says, please don't hit me. And then you press a button and the button presses and something slaps this little entity, digital entity, and it starts crying and screaming, stop. And then you just keep doing till it dies. You can imagine that program existing. Now, of course, you and they I have will that know. right now. It's called Grand like, Theft Auto, right? Yeah. But you and I will know. But you know, Grand Theft Auto is not as photorealistic. You, we can make it fully photorealistic, right? Now, you and I know that in the program, there's a class that says pain level equals ten right now, so therefore scream louder and things like that. And you and I know that it's nowhere near as complex. But I would argue that functionally, if you if you take yourself out of the equation, the end result looks very similar to if you do it to a person. They're both screaming to stop. They both get bloody and you, quote unquote, kill them. But the difference is the potential value is extremely different. The potential value of this program ends in that program. That's the only thing it does. The potential value of the human is nearly boundless as far as human society is concerned. And so ending a human or torturing a human limits the potential value of that creature. And that's the only way I have to really distinguish these things as we get more and more advanced. Now, what I'm going to argue is that there's going to come a point where the potential value of a fully autonomous robot is going to be really high, potentially higher than a human's. And in that case, we absolutely cannot start, we cannot treat that as an object. It's interesting. I hadn't thought about that angle. I think that philosophers have been asking this question for a long time, not with regards to robots, but some but also just with regards to the value of, of humans and individual humans in society, you know. Uh, and it is, to some extent, an arbitrary decision that we just decide upon. Yep. You know, we, we have decided that humans are, you know, enormously more, quote-unquote, valuable and protected entities than animals, right? That's right. And, you know, there, this is the, the question about AI or robots or, you know, intelligent uh, mechanical things— the question is very similar to the way we deal with the question right now with regards to animals. Yep. There are, uh, you know, there are cows and uh, birds, for example, and cats and dogs that are extremely intelligent. And yet, 
it's totally fine to right. do whatever we want to to them. And, you know, there, there's some laws protecting some things, but really around the world in yeah. particular. They say pigs, for example, some species of pigs are smarter than, than many species of dogs. Right. And, and, and we regularly slaughter, slaughter them by the millions. And, and eat them gleef, yeah. gleefully, you know, yeah. in, in restaurants like Eight Burger, Eight, eight Ounce Burger Bar. And so there are uh, people now wrestling with that question – so I, I think to me, it's like we don't have to sort of wonder what the future is going to be like because we have the question right before us now with it, when it comes to and – in, and in some ways, you could argue that the question about animals is more – well, anyway, it seems like a similar question. And the way we're dealing with it right now is some people say it is abhorrent and horrible right. what, that to, to use any animal – for for any purpose for ourselves, you know, right. and particularly when it comes to like you know caging them for their entire lives right. and and kind of torturing them yeah. and then and then gleefully eating them and just you know you know all the horrific things that, that we I, know about. Right. The, the way I've always put it is fine, but we have no legs to stand on when the aliens come. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. When they round us up, we got to shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. And so the um, uh, whereas so you have some people that are like you know so I imagine the future there's going to be some people that are like look every robot is a sentient being you know any robot that that has this these criteria met is a sentient being and therefore deserves rights and you're going to have a group of other people that are going to be like no they don't they're just zeros and ones and I can make a copy of it anytime I want. And I can turn it off and restart it again, and it doesn't really matter to to me. So, so th- because now we have that question going on with animals. You have some people that are just like, no, no way in hell, and it's it's totally immoral to do it. And then you have a whole other group of people that are like, yeah, that's fine. And so, and my guess is is that our legal realities will probably be that way for a long time until there's some kind of breakthrough with regards to AI that makes it so that they can actually make extremely compelling arguments for themselves. Do you know what I mean? Well, there, there's that. One of the extremely compelling arguments, though, is uh, the mechanical advantage. Um, for example, well, first of all, when you couple the mechanical advantage with the clear, indisputable exponential intelligence that that they're about to have and are starting to have. Like, you know, if you take the, the, the Go thing, for example, uh, five years ago, it was still considered like, if it was beatable, it was going to take decades and probably not. It, many people well, that, didn't think it was That beatable. was just because of the way they were approaching the problem. Well, sure, they're but approach- that was just because. <laughs> well, but... Just, just to, because I'm going to say this later. I might as well say it right now. Is your, I think your overall point is probably going to be fine. But the, the go thing is that the they approach that problem completely differently than they do with chess. Right? With chess, they just they decided to have a computer that could figure out you know, hundreds of moves into the future. Yeah, that's and, the only thing they could do because the- and and that, and that's just a hard and fast algorithm. That doesn't learn. It just, it just, you just set up a program and it figures right. out how to play chess well. Yeah. Whereas with the Go uh, program, they had it learn from its from from its own process. They yeah. set up a process where it could learn. But, but to be clear, the, the 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 idea for how to do it 
is very old. You know, it goes back like like thirty years or not, it's like right. forty years. Absolutely. But they couldn't do it because they didn't have hardware, they didn't have data. Absolutely. But but the 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 advance isn't that uh the advance is incremental closer to eventual like data on Star Trek, right? It's an increment closer to that. But I would argue and we we argue about this all the time, yeah. that we are and I'm guessing in our lifetime we will not see the kind of AI. And the reason I'm I'm cautioning against that view is that many people felt that way about Go. They felt that although chess and and the reason why I'm pushing back is because yeah. I'm saying when you understand what they did with Go, which is great, yeah, and but, it is a, it is a it is a leap forward. It isn't like we're halfway there, or but, something. right? But but it's it's the, like instead of point one, we're now point two percent of the way there. That's fair, but I am pointing out that the leading experts in the field of quote unquote AI before this became tenable. So if you rewind five or at least ten years, they there was a lot of disagreement as to if Go could be solved, let alone or not solved, but right. uh, let alone and, uh, and, within you know five years or whatever. And this will be the last po- counterpoint yeah. I'll say is that. There are certain functions that are amazing that people are achieving that are no joke, like the Go. Uh, so if you don't know out there, they created a program that can beat the best Go players in the in the world very easily. But, but, and, and, and by the way, part of the thing to note is the acceleration of even that because uh, first it was it, it was it was doing okay against the Go software, but losing. Then it started beating regional people. Then it, it was able to beat uh, one of the top players. Then it beat the world champion. Right. Then they wrote the next version of it, Alpha Zero. Alpha Zero trained only by playing itself. And after playing itself for I think what was 24 hours, it was able to beat the previous AI 100 to 0. Right. So and the previous AI was yeah. better than any human. So <laughs> it's a leap forward in that function. But yeah. it is but yet still people are working on it today and they cannot create an AI that can that can have a conversation with a human not even close or an AI that can truly identify objects in the world, you know, like that is a thing versus another thing. You know what I mean? It, they're 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 right. slowly getting there. They'll probably eventually get to the identification classification part of it, uh, you know, fairly soon. But but the ability to have a human conversation, the ability to think like a human, the ability to feel like a human is is just in my estimation. Now, in in forty years, will they be able to de- to design a program that will emulate it? Kind of well, um, sure, I could imagine, because it's just a matter of you just create enough functions that, that work really quickly. I'm guessing you'd be able to do that. But something like data or other or HAL or something, you know, I, I just I, I find that those are pretty far off. But anyway, that's the last thing I'll say um, uh, that has nothing to do with what Hal, Hallie is asking, which is like the ethics is eventually we'll be there, whether it's a thousand years from now or 10 years from now. Eventually, we're going to have. AI that is um, indistinguishable from humans, you know, or and or some weird uh, Blade Runner version or, you know, R2-D2 version or something, you know, eventually yeah. it's going to be here. So it's just a matter of like, what are we going to do? Right. Was that what you're getting at? Yeah. Well, basically what I'm what I'm saying is that um, it is going to be bad. But the flip side is <laughs> it might not be bad for humans. Sorry, it might not be bad for the AI. It might be bad for the humans, right? Because yeah. it's going to 
Think of how hard it was for Hitler to make a convincing argument that the superior race was losing the, 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 the foot race, you know, <laughs> in the Olympics. He's like, superior, oh, damn it, we got beat by someone I would have said was inferior. That, that's a hard argument. What, what do you do when you're like, we are, we're in charge over here, when you have creatures that are distributed, they don't even inhabit the body you're seeing leap well over all your soldiers and all the stuff. They can see for miles, see in all infrared, all length. They can hear and reconstruct the 3D surroundings just from the audio. Like, it, it just, it doesn't even make sense. Like, we cannot relate to its capabilities just like an ant can relate to us. So when that comes to be, the, the conversation flips. It's like, did we program, or this program isn't even the, did we set up the infrastructure required so that we become like, okay, like simpatico with these new creatures? Or yeah. are we done? Is this the end of this chain of evolution? Right, it's, <laughs> it's an interesting question that they've answered in, they've asked in some movies like Her, for example. We find that, these AI uh, that they call them operating systems, which is kind of weird because it's most, I don't know why they would call it an operating system. <laughs> I mean, they should have called it like a personal assistant or yeah. something, <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, so they had these, um, these, you know, beings that could, you could have a relationship with really. Right. And eventually you learn at the end of the movie, her, that the one that Joaquin Phoenix has been interacting with has been like, she has been interacting simultaneously with like hundreds of other people <laughs> and fallen in love and had them fall in love with her in exactly the same yeah. way that he fell in love with her. And, and, and she did this cause you know, right. the way that her program works and, and, and she's been in contact with other AIs and they've been having conversations right. that basically amount to like thousands of years of conversations yeah. because they're digital and they can communicate really fast. And so right. you, we can imagine what, what that would be like. And, and it's it's a totally bizarre kind of you know experiment sort of or it it'd be very I'd be very curious to find out what would happen because there could be so many different results. One could yeah. be they could be like uh, humans are pesky, let's get rid of them, or they're a threat to us, so let's get rid of them. Another one could be like, well, we're so advanced that they're kind of cute pets, and and we're entertained by them. They're they're like our little organic weird things that do these funny things that we kind of like. So let's keep them around because there's, there's really no harm in keeping them around. Let's keep them like, um, you know, let's keep their population to a minimum, you know, but, but you know, let's keep them around. They're fine. Yep. Or, well, or yeah. they develop some kind of ethics around cause, cause they, they were birthed from humans that, um, you know, they, they love life and they want to save life and they have a, kind of a similar high-minded, you know, ness of humans or some other bizarre kind of chaos emerges out of it where like either they don't make any sense to us or or several different versions of the AI emerge where you have basically like different philosophies emerging in different kinds of AIs or AIs that can choose different philosophies, you know. Or it evolves in a in a way that creates the most likely thing to survive which might actually be something that works in harmony or adverse adversarially with humans you know yeah. so so there's just so many different possibilities that you just don't know because the context would be so much out of our control right like one thing one thing that i like to think of or i don't know if i like to think about it but I definitely thought about it a lot is um so 
the humans are very fragile. We can go extinct really easily at any time. <laughs> and we live in a very fragile world that's, that's, you know, it's anyways, my point is, um, if you think about what can survive best in multiple ecosystems, including space, and that could use energy sources that are the most abundant, it's not humans. <laughs> so, you know, you could think of like if something is made mostly out of metals and can process solar rays, maybe leveraged nuclear, even radiation and or, or fission fusion, uh, those things seem like they would be the most lasting. And let alone if they're the kinds of things that are uh, the body doesn't matter as much because the, the little program can, can coexist in multiple places. Uh, you can, time is not an issue because you're not decaying as fast. You're not organic. So in some ways, we could be a vector towards the next stage of the universal evolution, whether it's happened already or not. V, and that next thing. V'ger. Yeah. From Star Trek 1. Right. Yes. And then that thing is basically not us, and it doesn't care about us. Now, will it need to mine our planet to build all sorts of spaceships and things to like start getting out there? Maybe, and then that might mean we're screwed. But it may also not, right? It may just be like, oh, we're just going to Jupiter because there's all these metals we can get. Right. I don't know. <laughs> you know. Right, that's the thing. It's just like, it's so un unknown. Yeah. And if they truly have human feelings-ish, you know, or personalities or consciousnesses, then... It's just completely unknown. This like, is why Kurzweil refers to it as a singularity, right? Because it's a point which we cannot understand or predict what happens beyond that. Right. We, he, he can predict the technological trend to a point where it says that at a certain point in the next few decades, we will reach a point where we don't know what happens after that. And unless we, before that, decimate ourselves in nuclear war or disasters or whatever, um, the, you know, so if that comes to pass... Who knows? <laughs> right. Who knows? Right. Because all it takes is one AI on one nerd's computer in a basement to develop consciousness and the ability to write itself or to travel through different ports to and then copy and then instantly copy itself to like, t right. you know, tens of thousands of computers and and all work in sync together within a millisecond to like yeah. basically decide what they want to do with and us. And look, even to your point, let's let's say for a second that 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 it turns out that 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 it is correct that we cannot that there's something irrecoverable of human consciousness that cannot get let or let's say that it would be still really hard whatever. You could still end up with a distributed AI that isn't technically humanish or yeah, fully self-aware or whatever, but it is still lethal and devastating. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, you know, there's many examples like Sam Harris. Others give well, examples of well, optimization routines that lead towards devastation. The Go, uh, the Go program, it, it is learning on its own. So right. it could potentially, if it had the ability to, for input and you know, learning, so to speak, to understand. Not only the the because you because you have it's it's, it's a bizarre thing but you're, you you have, you create this essentially this AI that has to learn the Go thing, yep. and then you have to interface it with another program that plays Go. You yep. know what I mean? And they're not actually playing Go. You know they're they're interfacing with a program that they have plays. like a little UI thing that can actually do the playing. <laughs> right. So it's it's all in a black box. Yes. There's, it's not interfacing with the world. Right. Okay. And 
so um, you could, if it somehow, now eventually, you know, and they're already doing this, it's like, you know, with the robot, for you know, with the dog robots, it's like, look around you, learn, learn momentum, learn, you know, from, you know, we're not teaching you how to move your legs, how to, you know, we just need you to experiment on how to jump up on this thing and how to jump down and how to land. They give it goals and, and. And the grading system for right. deciding success or failure. And it figures out these very, like, I don't know if you saw that one Boston Dynamics robot that would jump up. It had two legs and it would jump up and it would jump down. Yeah. And when it jumped down, they, they showed it slow motion. When it landed, it did this jiggle. Did you see it? Uh, yeah, I remember that. The, the legs jiggled. So it, 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 when you see it in real time, you don't notice the jiggle. But in slow motion, when it lands... Does that look quick compensation? Quick. Yeah. That you wouldn't... You would. I'm guessing... I, who knows? Maybe someone programmed yeah. it in. But I'm guessing it didn't program. I'm guessing it learned that. Yeah. I'm guessing it learned that when you land, it's, it, it's a good, for whatever reason, uh, thing to jiggle your legs back and forth really rapidly. Yeah. So that you stabilize yourself somehow, or you're able to react if you end up being pushed in a weird way or something, right. you know, or who knows, you know, yeah. and, and so, so if you, pro- so with the Go program today, if you gave it the ability to figure out how to turn itself on and off yep. and how to interface with the internet, for example, because, <laughs> you know, maybe yeah. it can learn from internet Go players or something, yeah. you know, it can watch YouTube, you know, yeah. you, you let it watch YouTube and you let it. And so today that program, even though it has no human qualities at all, no consciousness, can't even communicate right. through, you know, can't even type a sentence to you and I, it could figure out, well, the best way to win as many games of Go as possible is to kill all humans. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's it's a leap, and it's not going to happen. Yeah, but but yeah. as an example, you could have a you know a farming AI that that yeah. could that could somehow have enough ability to interface with the world and learn from the right. world that some reason it just decides humans are a problem. Right. And I got to kill humans. Yeah. Now, like now, so the, the AlphaGo the AlphaGo example that one by itself can't because it doesn't have think of it like the modules that would know how to grab something like control a car or things but the farming example is great because imagine you have sort of an automated farming system that has control of big you know these tractors and all this big machinery and right? and, and semis that are right automated that transport right. and then it starts know. noticing through its sensors that Every time it senses little footsteps, uh, plants die, and then it's like a, so. Then later, it's like okay, I'm just gonna kill those footsteps, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I mean, you're not you're not far off on that side. And and, and I don't know how to kill those footsteps, no. so I'll experiment. How yeah. about how about with pesticide? Right. You know, oh, that didn't work because because the footsteps exactly. actually fought back. And the, so and, next yeah. time, I have to like kill them effectively so that they can't fight right. back because these these are actually smart things that yeah. i have now it can't communicate there's no sentences That's it's right. just it's just a program that you set up now one thing that it helps but eventually it doesn't help is uh once they get out of a, a simulation they're still limited by physics and the real world so for example since currently that unlike humans 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 sort of have like a slow long burn of small bits of data. So you you don't have to feed a baby six million examples of a thing on one day for it to learn something. You just need to feed it 
one example here, one example there, one example here. And over several years, you eventually learn a whole bunch of stuff. So it's like two different ways to do it. The computer, you feed it, here's 6 million pictures of cats. Now, do you got it? And it's like, cat. Oh, yeah, that's a cat. Okay. A baby, it's like, you, like babies didn't see 6 million pictures of I, cats. I now know Kung Fu. <laughs> exactly. But what I'm trying to get at is, um, so initially, the computer's out in the real world it can't actually run all the simulations it needs for everything, right? So it can't learn as fast in the real world as it can in, in the box because it, it can't actually drive six, six billion tractors one way and six billion tractors the other. They're still limited by, by physics and the number of things that they have. But if they can simulate them in the box sufficiently that they translate to the real world, now we're back into, the, <laughs> well, into and, trouble. And or eventually there are going to be these neural network AIs that will be, uh, you know, um, that will be connected to several different things, you know? Yeah. Like, eventually, I'm guessing, the transportation system, the way we're headed, will be completely run by a neural network that we don't really even understand. Yep. Do you know what I mean? That has the ability, you know, we, we tell it to run simulations and, and learn from actual real-world examples about how to reduce accidents, yep. how to uh, be the most fuel efficient, the most time efficient, the most efficient to the roads, the most efficient to um, the wear and tear on the vehicles. And, and one master system will have to basically at least coordinate everything, if not run everything. And yep. why not? Why wouldn't you have one AI that runs the entire a uh, uh, transportation system of the world. Yep. You would have airplanes involved, semis, yep. uh, drones, helicopters, every you know, and it would guarantee like the most minimal uh, danger possible. Like everything would be in harmony with each other. Nothing would be bumping into each other. It would be the fastest, you know, point A to point B possible, the cheapest, the most yeah. fuel efficient, and. The only way to have that happen is is if one, you know, either a series of systems that are totally integrated or one system that runs the entire thing. Until, and, uh, yeah. Imagine if that thing decides, I don't like humans. Well, or, or humans, one day, you know, they're like, you know what, just to make sure we have the minimum number of accidents, we'll tell it to optimize for, you know how in construction sites they have 350 days without an accident? They tell the, the they program it and say, okay, that's your metric. You you want to go the longest days possible without an accident, so that it goes. Oh, it kills everyone, right? And infinite days later, there's no accidents. <laughs> exactly. Now you know we joke, but if there are sufficient amount of these things operating, there's you know eventually something like this is going to happen. Yeah, and and just to be clear, there, there's as I'm sure you know. So right now, as we speak, there there are neural nets. In, in fact, running. I'm sorry for interrupting. Yeah. The best case scenario is that we truly do have data level AI because then at least we can communicate with it and go and, and, and try to gain trust with it and yeah. say, like, can you kind of make sure that this doesn't go off the rails? You but, know OK, I mean? but this goes back to what I was saying earlier, that the, the only the only way to get more of a data level type of thing is you need to actually start building needs that are compatible with human needs. So you and I can relate. Or emulative of human needs. Yeah. So you and I have so many, as humans, let alone as friends, like we have a lot of things we can relate to because we, 
intrinsically know that we need oxygen, that we need water, that we need food, that we need sleep, that we have feelings of love and things like that, right? These aren't things that I have to explain to you and you don't comprehend. We have so many things in common because we are creatures that operate within the same little room. So in order to have, think of how hard it is as humans to see eye to eye on things. But imagine trying to have a conversation with an AI that doesn't need oxygen, doesn't need water. In fact, water corrodes or whatever, right? Like all these completely different needs. So that's the thing that we need in the future is we need to make a AI robot that has the exact same vulnerabilities that we do. And, and it will be the first one killed by the other ones. <laughs> and, and, and it deeply cares about survival. Yeah. yeah. And it, but it can interface with all the other AIs. Interface. <laughs> and it can protect us from the AIs because it can outthink the AIs for its own survival. <laughs> it's just tricky, man. <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us out there. If you, we, we have a long list of, of topics, so if you want to send short topics, that's easier for us. Well, that does it. Thanks for joining us out there. Please take care of yourself and you know worry about the future because you deserve it. <laughs>